Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadu. Tonight I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. The delegates will not be delegates that constituted the special delegate. But however, the National Council will break the tie. Meaning that members of the National Council are going to be the delegates for the elections on Saturday. Governing New Patriotic Party comes up with a solution to solve the tie between Boachie Jaku and Francis Adainimo. But only 33 people would be voting. And these 33 people make up the National Council of the Party. And that's good for the runoff coming up this weekend. Also coming up, National Labor Commission directs striking College of Education teachers to call off strike before any negotiation on paying via salaries which have been frozen and later on eyewitness news we take you to godanu in the volta region near hohwe where there's tension brewing between police and community members over the death of two persons and injuries to several others still 97.3 ctfm for more on this and many other stories on eyewitness news and in business government justifies increments in utility tariffs but assures of tackling concerns raised by hoteliers to boost the tourism industry that's in business news some 50 minutes from now. Still on Eyewitness News tonight, we'll tell you about the new plan by the state to drop charges. Okay, so charges against Nana Pia Mensa, also known as Nam One, dropped by the Attorney General. That's what is called Nolly Prosecutor. But new charges have been brought against him. Would these charges really mean anything for someone who's been standing trial for like forever? Stay with 97.3 CTF, and we are live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations, including Premier 100.5 FM in Takradi, Sky Power 93.5 FM in Takradi, and Beach 105.5 FM also in Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. Ahafo region, we are on Hermes 96.5 FM in Gosu. In Ashanti region, we are on Alpha Radio 104.9 FM in Kumasi. We are in... Kumasi as well on Orange 107.9 FM. In Volta region, we are on Global 105.1 FM in Ho and Adanu 107.7 FM in Adakluwaya. In the Northern region on Diamond 93.7 FM in Tamale. Upper West on Westlink 88.1 FM in Laura. Upper East on Source 100.1 FM in Boko. And Northeast on Scarp 101.3 FM in Nakbanduri. The show is live on Facebook, live on YouTube, live on citynewsroom.com and it's interactive. Do join us on WhatsApp 0549-986-996 0549-986-996 Send tweets using the hashtag citynewsroom and uh, you can also send uh, your messages for the world to hear what you think. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF and we kick off with a new patriotic party and um, Nashi Kaziza has her first story. 
Right, Sander, now the National Council of the New Patriotic Party has decided that it is only members of the council who would participate in the runoff between Bwachi Jaku and Francis Adai Nimo. There was a dilemma as to whether the party should go back to all the 961 members of the superdelegate to partake in the runoff as both candidates attained nine votes each in the August 26 polls. Some stakeholders within the party he hoped one of the two will step down for the other, but that has not happened yet. As you recall, this, this Saturday, we had our superdelegate elections. After the elections and counting was done, there was a tie on the fifth position between Honorable Adenimo and Mr. Boache Ejako. Hitherto, the elections committee, by their guidelines under Section 25, stated that where there is a tie, there will be a rerun to get a clear winner or victor. However, today, National Council, which is the body that constituted the Presidential Election Committee, varied Section 25 of the rules and guidelines by the Presidential Elections Committee to read that, yes, there will be a rerun, but the rerun, the delegates will not be the special uh, delegates or the delegate that constituted the special delegate. But however, the National Council will break the tie, meaning that members of the National Council are going to be the delegates for the elections on Saturday. And the reason being that, as you all know, the superdelegates has membership including our external branches who came from uh, far and near to come and cast their vote and some of them have left and also the constitution of our party under article 10.3 gives the national council the power to take decisions in the best and well-being of the party and it's based on that that the national council has taken that decision one to save costs and also to make sure we get it done as quickly as possible. So on Saturday, the the, the rerun will happen at the, at the national headquarters. And I know in due course, the presidential elections uh, committee will give you the details. Again, national council also overruled the decision by the elections committee which agreed with the aspirant that government appointees, uh, party officers, and MPs cannot be agents for aspirants. The National Council has made the point that going to the 4th November, any aspirant has the free will to choose any agent of his choice. 
So that's uh, Justin Kodia Frimpong. He is the General Secretary of the New Patriotic Party, announcing there to journalists at the Alisa Hotel where a meeting was held by the party, at which meeting a decision has been taken uh, to announce uh, a, the decision on the runoff or the tie between uh, Chairman Tibuache Jaku and um, the Honorable Francis Adai Nemo, the two um, both pulled nine votes each in the just ended super delegates uh, congress of the party and so that is the decision that has been made as announced by the general secretary of the party Hansina Jiman is a correspondent who's been uh, following that story for us since yesterday Hansina you're welcome to eyewitness news uh, is there more that you've gathered as you interact with all the key personalities who arrived there today that you want to share with us please well what we know is that a decision has been made as far as the issue of the tie between Francis Abenimo and Boate Jacon is concerned. And you know, when the uh, elections committee came up with a guideline for the elections, the idea was that when there is a tie, they'll go back to the 900 delegates to vote on, on that tie. But since the decision of the delegates to give both Boate Jacon and Adenimo nine votes, there's been a contemplation as to whether one of them should step down or even both should be allowed to contest. And so the main objective or the main concern of today's meeting was to take a decision on that. And so the National Council, after a deliberation, decided to decide that not all 961 delegates will participate in the uh, run-off between Boache Jaco and Francis Adenimo. However, only members of the National Council would take part of this run-off, which has been scheduled for September 2, coming Saturday. Have there been any visible reactions to this decision of the Council? Because prior to today, there were various issues coming up. One that suggested that the party may allow the runoff to happen may not allow the runoff to happen. Rather, all six uh, candidates would be allowed to be on the ballot paper for the November 4 election. There was also another school of thought that they should just uh, go ahead and do the runoff between these two. But no one really anticipated that it was going to be a runoff by only 33 members of the National Council. Well, the members of the, uh, the, the aspirants, uh, unlike yesterday when the aspirants were invited to come meet the elections committee. Today, the meeting largely has been between the National Council and the National Executive Committee. And so we've not seen any aspirants here, and we've not seen any noticeable uh, person who has shown his support behind any of the other candidates, aside Dr. Mahmoud Baumia. And so uh, we didn't get any reaction. Again, after the meeting and the announcement by the general secretary the directive was that nobody was to grant an interview or engage the press afterwards and so we were to take the announcement as given to us by the general secretary as it is and there was nothing else we could do and so we cannot really tell at the moment what the reaction is particularly between Boache Jaco and Francis Adenimo because we did not see them yet neither did we see their representatives very well, thank you so much, uh, Hansen, for, for sharing the information with us. We appreciate you for the time.
That's Hansen Ajiman. He's our correspondent in the City Newsroom who's covering for us the New Patriotic Party meeting. And let me just, for by way of uh, information, share with you. Uh, on, on Saturday, when the MPP went to the polls, over 900 delegates uh, voted. Of course, Dr. Baumia was in a very, very, very comfortable lead. And then the bottom four have dropped out. Now, for the fifth position, there was a tie. Chamantia Boache Jakun uh, polled nine votes. Francis Adai Nemo polled nine votes. There's a need for the party to choose five persons, having chosen the first four and uh, looking for the fifth person. Now, the decision by the law of the party is for a runoff to be organized. Now, the decision tonight is that there will be a runoff, all right, uh, which will be happening, but it's not going to be a runoff of all 900-plus delegates who voted. Instead, it will be just 33 persons. That These 33 persons make up the National Council of Elders of the Party. The National Council of Elders of the Party is the second highest, is the second highest body or decision-making body of the New Patriotic Party. The constitution of the NPP gives the National Council the power to take decisions on behalf of the party. The highest decision-making body is the Congress of the party, where all delegates, all members appear, sometimes at the National Sports Stadium or the Trade Fair, where they will take decisions, amendments of the constitution at all. But for this particular case, is a national council which incidentally met today alongside the national executive committee or the NEC at which decision this um, at which meeting this decision was taken. So the national council of elders, 33 of them, is chaired by Hakman Usu Ajiman, someone who served as minister for works and housing and served in other portfolios in the John Kufour government. Other members of the national council is former chairman of the party, Freddie Wasmel Blay. Uh, Sami Uku, former national organizer of the party, is a member of the National Council. The president, Nana Dodan Kwakufuado, is a member of the National Council of the party. The vice president, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, is a national council member. Uh, the national chairman of the party, Stephen Intim, is a member of the National Council. So is Justin Kodia from Pon, general secretary of the party, who made that announcement. So, if uh, Chairman Tim Boache Jakun and uh, the Honorable uh, Francis Adainimo are looking for votes. These are the people they are going to be campaigning to. They are going to campaign to Hakman Ozuajiman, campaign to Freddie Blay, campaign to Sami Oku, campaign to President Akufado, campaign to Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, campaign to the National Chairman Stephen in team, and campaign to the General Secretary and say, listen, the last time we went to the polls, I got nine votes. This time, you are 33. I need at least more than half of that. So just give me your vote. 17 of them, maybe, or 18, should give uh, whichever candidate or either of the candidates a good lead. And we are told this would be happening at the party headquarters. Uh, we've tried to reach the various candidates, the two candidates involved, uh, for comments on this decision of the party. We have not been successful in getting a reaction. However, some analysts are expressing concern over why a decision that was taken by 900 people would be confirmed or, you know, sifted by 33 persons. So that's the issues that are coming up. And this is the City Newsroom. We'll be following the stories for you. If there are any reactions from any of the camps, we'll be sharing that with you. For now, though, that's a decision of the party, unless it is overturned. And we are told the one that can do the overturning is the Congress of the party, which is yet to be convened, which is supposed to actually do the voting on November 4. So for now, it appears this is the way uh, Boache Jakun and Francis Adainimo have a hectic job campaigning to 33 people to decide their fate if they become one of the top five. 
or not. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We have some other stories still, don't we, uh, on, on the New Patriotic Party, Nashika? Right, Sandra, the chairperson of the disciplinary committee of the New Patriotic Party, Kwesi Amwakwata, has ranked the recently held special delegate conference of the party <coughs> to be over 99% peaceful. The polls were held in 17 centres across the country. There were, however, violent cases recorded in some of the centres. In the northeast region, Region, Alan Chematin's campaign coordinator was attacked while the agent of Kennedy Japan was allegedly chased out of the voting area. There were also reported cases of violence in the northeast region. But addressing the media, the chairman of the disciplinary committee, who doubles as the roads minister, Kwesi Amakwata, indicated that the polls were generally peaceful. No, uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh uh, I'm, I'm being careful about you know, my comment on it. No, the fact that we recorded one or two infractions doesn't mean that you know, we should throw uh, our, our, our arms you know, in desperation. Okay? Generally, it was peaceful. I mean, 99 point something percent peaceful, even though we were all expecting 100 percent, you know, uh, 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 peaceful situation. General Secretary has officially referred it to us. We are yet to meet and then to do our own in- investigation and, and, and come out with our decision. But I don't want to comment on it now because we haven't gone in, into it. No, once something happens, it has been referred to us. The committee will go into it. That's why I, I, I will not comment on it. Kwesha Mwakata is the chairperson of the disciplinary committee of the new patriotic party. Still on the, I mean, majority leader Seiche Mensambuso has expressed displeasure with how some of the candidates have acted in the aftermath of the special delegate conference. There have been allegations of intimidation attacks and vote buying made by camps of some of the candidates. The polls returned with a resounding victory for Dr. Mahamudu Baumia with Kennedy Ohenye Japon placing second and Alan Trematen Pekin the third place. Some persons close to the other candidates have made comments suggesting the polls were manipulated at some centres. But the Swami Member of Parliament who supports Dr. Baumia says attempts by some of the candidates to taint the victory of Dr. Baumia will not wash. He spoke to the media ahead of a National Executive Committee and National Council meeting of the party on the Special Delegates Conference. I quickly added that even if we come up with five of them and there will be a person in the lead, so we have together with them uh, the person in the lead in five. So out of the four, if three indicate that well, we are buying out and one doesn't, there still have to be a rerun. So I said that is a position of the constitution. And I don't think that the four of them would you know, follow after the person who emerges first, who bow out. And so the constitution should be allowed to play out. That's what I said. And if somebody went and twisted it to say that I had said if somebody got 70%. So it was sheer pedestrianism that I was not prepared to respond to. Would you say you are satisfied with the conduct of the aspirants in the elections? <laughs> not quite. I mean, we all hear what is coming out with some people accusing people of uh, uh, some of the aspirants of, you know, trying to 
manipulate the elections, even though every objective person will realize that to a very large extent, this was, you know, a very keenly contested um, election and freeness and fairness can be attested to as transparent. Well, what, what do you suspect the motive may be? I don't know. Go and ask them. Those of them who are crying for Oseche Mensabonzo is the majority leader and member of parliament for Swami. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. If you are just joining us, the new patriotic party has decided what happens to the tie, how the tie is going to be broken between uh, Boache Jaco and Francis Adainimo. And the decision is that only national council members of the party uh, will be voting. And the number uh, is 33. So only 33 people will be deciding on Saturday who uh, remains in the top five. Uh, that is um, Francis Adainimo and uh, Boachi that decision has been made and uh, we are told by the general secretary of the party that is because you cannot have the full complement of the 900 plus delegates who voted in the super delegates congress some of them who came from diaspora have since returned uh, others have also returned to their various uh, constituencies and localities so that is a decision and that council is the second highest decision making body of the new patriotic party and so the decision has been taken for and on behalf of the party and the constitution mandates the national council to do so your messages have been coming through general otega says the direct consequence of the imf bailout is this astronomical surge in utility tariffs if government had been prudent we would not have been here it's a big shame for nana kufado and baumia to lead us god's sweet choices from hawaii says the town in relation to the hawaii story is pronounced god Godeyu. God, God, uh, though the spelling is God, uh, okay, so God, they will. thank you so much uh, for that information. Alassam uh, Hamdan from Nyoini uh, South says, then because whether Dr. Baumia or Alan Kaj or Kennedy Pond, the value is still the same. They are the cause of where we are today. Daniel Akpaliok in Sandima says, violence is becoming too rampant in the country. This may be as a result of the fact that enough punitive measures are not being taken against perpetrators of violence. Uh, Evans from Adam says but the run of the, the part but the run of the, the party constitution say that members of the council should vote. Well I've just been explaining that for you. Uh, why should Adainimo accept this new arrangement? Boache Jaku is part of the National Council. Wouldn't that give him unfair advantage over Nimo? All delegates must participate in the round of Okay, that's a comment. Uh, David in Hohe says, In my candid opinion, it is wrong for a tie from an election of super delegates to be broken by National Council. Babamu in Tamale says, The move by neck not neck by national council to break the runoff between honorable Bache Jaku and honorable Francis Adanimo is step in the right direction. Jones the boy in life says, I just can't wrap my head around how the MPP, uh, which claims to be um, the reform of all our electoral processes, finds it difficult to deal with this small size, finds it is finding it difficult to 
uh, use this small size of electoral college, then we are in for trouble come November 4. God help Ghana. Gasty man from Brekum says, Wache Jaku is in trouble. The same people he has been lambasting are the same people going to cast a vote on Saturday. Ayeka. Uh, D. Lawal from Sabronum in Ahafo, uh, Southeast. Says, if these two candidates go for the runoff, and they are made to pay fresh fee per the party's constitution in such instance, then they wouldn't uh they would have taken a second they would have to take a second look at their necessary decisions to waste everybody's time. Do send us your message two zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six zero five four nine nine eight six nine nine six. Let's go to the Volta region now. A township near Hohwe. Uh, we are told it's called Godeyu. Um it's a village near Hohwe. You're told that there's a clash between uh, police and uh, residents. Francis Kweku Kakraba is resident of Godeyu. Uh, he's joining us on the line. Francis, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you. First of all, how is your town name's, uh, town's name pronounced? Okay, for now, everything is under control. Okay, hold on. Francis, how do I pronounce the name of your town? Godenu. Godenu, okay. Godenu. Godenu, right? Uh, G-O-D-E-N-U. No problem. Thank you so much. What happened? Okay, actually, uh, I was uh, at a business where I live around 9.45 this a.m. this morning. Uh, I could hear down the sound of uh, shooting. So I, could, I quickly get out from my room and I called the girls and they said there's uh, something happening in Guru in which uh, one person is pronounced dead. So I just dressed up and I quickly rushed to the runabout to see what is going on. So before I reached there, they told me that the police have chased somebody suspecting the person that is carrying substances suspected to be Indian. So they walk on the person and the person has been programmed. I said, oh. So I wanted to go back. Then I was not with my motorbike, so I have to return back to the house to go and pick my motorbike. So on the way to my house, I seen that the patrol people have passed pass me with another car. So before they say they start firing, and we don't know what happened, I them to fire. And two people have been pronounced dead also, including the accident victim. So that was what happened. Now, has there been a an issue in the past between community members and the police? Well, actually, just last year, police from whole uh, whole regional is in uh, they've killed one of our uh, our brother in Vegas, uh, and uh, three weeks after, police in Hongwe also have killed somebody suspected the person to be carrying India, and that also has caused serious accident to the driver. So since then, our people are on alert. So the police do any time they see somebody carrying something, sack or something like that. Uh, they suspected the person to be carrying something, or suspected to be Indian. So that was what happened this morning. So according to those who are there, they say they chased the person from a village called Avega on the, I mean, heading towards Okwe. So... Uh, about 100 meters to the village I'm pronouncing that is going. That was where the thing happened. So TV3 representative have just left the place. So he promised to show the, the whole video. 
And the police that came this morning to the place, they burned about 45 motorbikes, including the chief of the town, his own personal car, which have been parked under his garage and been destroyed by the police. So they, they burned some shops, destroyed some people, they are uh, provisions, they are shops, and they are innocent about what happened. But that was what happened in Godin today. The police have issued a statement and they said that... Um, so let me read it for you. The police have restored calm at Godenu near Hohoe in the Volta region following a violent disturbance in which a police patrol vehicle, which was involved in an accident with a motorbike rider, was set on fire by some members of the community. Two people lost their lives in the violence and the motor rider who sustained injury during the accident is currently receiving medical attention. Twelve people have so far been arrested and one Bruni pistol re retrieved. Police uh, continue investigation into the incident including the circumstances under which the two people lost their lives security has since been deepened in hohoi township and its surrounding communities to ensure law and order that's the police the key takeaway here is that they say that the motorbike rider uh they, they so they said that the the paragraph says um, a violent disturbance in which a police patrol vehicle w which was involved in an accident with a motorbike was set on fire so that community members set that vehicle of the police on fire. Is that is did that happen? No, actually I was not there. So uh, I, I earlier said that I'm in Gogwe, but that was the information that reached me. So I called our minister, the MP, Honorable John Peter Amu, and got him informed that this is what is happening. Okay. So, so you don't know you don't know who bent the police car, do you? No, actually, I did not go there. That's fine. Let's leave it here. Let's leave it here. Thank you so much, Francis Kweku uh, Kakraba is um, a resident of um, a community near Godenu, which is also near Hohwe in the Volta region. Let's speak to the Municipal Chief Executive, Daniel Awume, uh, for Hohwe. You're welcome, sir, to Eyewitness News. Yeah, thank you, Sandra, for this opportunity. What's the briefing you have as music on what happened in Godenu? Well, at this stage, uh, there's no... Uh, enough briefing to music as as we speak uh, because I've myself been on the ground since and uh, we're trying to calm down situation. So we'll be having an emergency music tomorrow. Uh, even before then, I'm I'll be meeting the the headships of the security uh, at eight uh, for us to go into the the details as we we witnessed. Okay, but what is the information on the ground uh, that you have picked up, which is information that you believe to be credible that you can share with us? Uh, well, at this stage, all I can say is that um, the police are still uh, uh, trying to put the, put the pieces and pieces together. Uh, my information uh, uh, this morning was that there were some uh, issues coming up at Vinkudin. Uh, where the police are on a shootout. Uh, that was the information I got. And so, upon hearing that, I called the regional police commander uh, to step in and actually uh, brief me as to what it is that is uh, uh, happening. And so, he called back to uh, inform me that uh, there will be the need for me to come there because there were some roadblocks uh, which makes it uh, difficult for them to uh, penetrate. So, I, I decided to move there. And uh, when I got there, the earlier one mentioned that uh, there were, their vehicle was burned to ashes or, or, or burning. So 
uh, he called that I should send a uh, fire service tender to come and then uh, salvage the situation. And so that I did deploy the, the fire tender. And so I also decided to make a follow-up. So I got that I realized that uh, the air vehicle, patrol vehicle was burning. And uh, so uh, that, that's what I can see. And then also with the regards to the roadblock, there were visible roadblocks as well. Uh, as to who uh, I'm unable to, to speak to it as of now. So, and you can't speak to who bent the police vehicle either? Yes, as of now, uh, there's no traces of who were involved in that. Uh, unfortunately, okay. But is the police able to manage the community considering that two people have died and tensions are high? Uh, that has come to our notice. When we were there, there was no uh, indication that uh, some individuals were uh, what they lost their lives. And so it was phone call that was coming in, and I was trying to cross up on the police. They were also trying to uh, make the point that they haven't uh, witnessed anything of such. Until um, I called the the what do you call the regional um, hospital uh, medical soup to ascertain the the veracity or otherwise of that claim, and then he confirmed that uh, two three uh, men were brought uh, to lose their lives. So I took them myself to see for myself, and that I can confirm two lives were lost. And then actually the, the guy that uh, the police vehicle knocked down. He's still at the hospital, and we are trying to see how we can uh, fast-track his uh, transfer to the teaching hospital in Ho. So I, I was about doing those arrangements when your, your team called. Okay, please go back and do your work. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, and then thank you to the listeners. Grateful. That's Daniel Awume. He's the Municipal Chief Executive for Hohe in the Volta region. The Minister for Railway is also the Member of Parliament for Hohe, the Honorable John Peter. I'm a, Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, thank you. Good uh, evening to your listeners. As a representative of the people of Hohoi, I'm sure you would have received loads of phone calls now about what happened. You sifted through the information. What, what is what do you know so far? Well, I, I'm shocked by the events uh, unfolding. Um, understand this uh, uh, late afternoon, a gentleman was riding on a motorcycle, uh, and behind him, the police uh, made an attempt to uh, flash him to stop. Uh, it was not a barrier, so the police were chasing him. And what I've been told is that uh, the guy was unable to stop as the police were behind. So um, they, they ran over the, the gentleman. It may be two accidents. I don't know but how that happened. The driver of the police vehicle would be the best to, uh, to say exactly what happened. And as the, uh, the guy was knocked down by the vehicle, the police vehicle ran into a ditch, and they came out to... Uh, take the guy, they realize that he has a, an injury, you know, at the head, and they have to rush him to hospital. Uh, while they were uh, at the hospital, we understand that the police van uh, was set ablaze. Uh, the police came back, understand about four of them, and mobilized other additional uh, support from the police, uh, 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 the municipal head office, and begin to ransack the town. Uh, in the process, there were, you know, some form of uh, confusion between the town folks and, and the police. And they end up killing two people, as I understand. Two people were shot dead. 
uh, one other person being uh, sent to Tema, uh, sorry, um, the Trafalgar Hospital. A number of the motorbikes, we also understand about 20 of the motorbikes belonging to the youth were also set up days by the police. Uh, so uh, this is uh, what is happening currently. Uh, I did immediately put the IGP together with the Ramon chief of the area, Sobegang Gambusu, uh, with the MC uh, Noble, and uh, we, we tried to calm down uh, uh, the situation. But the guys are still understand, uh, still very angry. Um, I know the youth of the community. Uh, one of them called me and said they understand uh, that the police are remobilizing to get back to uh, the community. And I'm just using this medium to appeal. If the police commander there can listen or whoever is listening, uh, she asked them to stop immediately because that will create, you know, more tension and chaos if they dare to enter, to re-enter the community. That will not be fair because Tobega Gambusu is already in charge. Uh, the kind of training that IGP have given to the police, I expect that training to materialize in their efforts and activities. Uh, if we are saying that, we are the best people to decide ourselves. So uh, I'm just pleading that they shouldn't dare to re-enter the community, but rather leave everything to Tobuga and Gambusu and other security agencies to make sure that calm returns to the community. Now, the information you've picked so far, has there been any information suggesting that the community members were also shooting? Not to, not, not to the best uh, of my knowledge. Uh, but I think uh, some people uh, were also saying that they were gunshots from other areas, whether it was by the community or by the police. Which that means that they, the, the, the two who have died uh, most likely would be killed by the, the by the police gunshots. What I've been told, that one of the eyewitnesses told me that he was watching the commander and he shot the guy at the test. And he said he's prepared to testify and he saw the police shooting the guy uh, directly. He made mention of the operational commander. He said he shot the guy directly. This is what the gentleman told me. And he's prepared to testify that. Of course, the bullets are on the floor. They will be able to determine whether this uh, stray bullets or whatever it is are bullets from the local guns or whatever. If it is uh, from some of the guns that the police normally handle. I think the expert will be in the best position to determine. Even uh, the wounds that sustained by these people prior to their death, they should be able to tell us the type of bullets that penetrate through the body. So I, I'm not worried. Uh, I know the investigations will continue and we will be able to establish mm. the facts. You say investigation. What nature should the investigation take? Should it be an investigation by the police or there should be some independent uh, investigation? What do, you, what do you propose? Well, of course, uh, in instances like this, that the police themselves are involved. Uh, if it, I don't know how we can hand over the investigation to them. Um, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. But the expert will be able to tell us. Tobigan uh, Gambusu is in charge. You know, uh, I'm very happy uh, the effort he has put into this so far. Uh, so I'm meeting him maybe late this evening. Uh, I'll be able to ascertain from him uh, what exactly uh, he thinks should be done. But obviously, if the police have been accused of, uh, you know, uh, undertaking this uh, action, I don't see how they can come out with a fair, you know, and uh, fair and free. Uh, results uh, from their investigation. I don't think that 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 that, that will not happen. So we we will see how it ended peacefully. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you. That's the noble John Peter, who is Minister for Railway and MP for.
Hohoi. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF, and we are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Still ahead, we'll hear from the National Labor Commission on the Striking Colleges of um, Education Teachers Union. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Yeah, welcome back. Let's now do some other stories. The National Labor Commission has directed the Colleges of Education Teachers Association of Ghana, CTAC, to call off their strike before the commission considers the association's request to direct the government to release their frozen August salaries. The association has since August 1 been on a strike to push the government to redeem its promise of implementing its negotiated conditions of service. This forced the government to withhold their August salaries. Speaking to the media, the executive secretary of the commission Ofusua Samoa says while an agreement has been reached to address their demands, the commission can only engage the government with their concerns after the strike has been called off. They should call off the strike. They should call off the strike? Yes, immediately. What were the issue about the salary? The issue about salary? Yes, um, their salaries have been blocked by the employers by giving directive to the controller. That since they did not work in the month of uh, August, they could not be validated for payment for not working. Mm-hmm. So they have written to the commission by petitioning the commission that their salaries have been withheld. So the commission should direct the employers to pay them. And uh, that's quite unfortunate. You know, when they were gave intention to go on this strike, the commission wrote to them as far back as 31st of July before they could proceed on the strike. They still went, uh, ignored it, went ahead. They were invited before the commission. They wrote to the commission that there were no issues for discussion to be heard. We invited them the second time. They refused to appear. And it has been so through the whole of the month of August until today. And uh, today, why are they here? Because their salaries have been blocked by their employers. And uh, they have petitioned the very commission. They have ignored this directive. This time, coming before it to direct uh, their employers to pay them. Anyway, the commission has called on them once again to call off the strike. And uh, whilst they look into the matter. So, meaning that unless they call off, we are not asking government to pay the monies back to them? The Commission can only direct payment when it has gone into the matter, it has considered it. And the Commission will not entertain the hearing of a matter either by facilitation, arbitration, mediation, when there is a strike. Mm. So it means that CTAC must call off and sit on the matter before government can be asked to pay to do the payment to them? That is the direction of the commission that call off the strike, then they will look at the matter. 
Ofuja Samwa is the executive secretary of the National Labor Commission. Meanwhile, the president of the Colleges of Education Teachers Association, Prince Oben Hema, indicated that the association will consult its members by the end of the week before arriving at a final decision. We had a very fruitful day today. Uh, after lengthy engagement, it became clear that uh, the Commission had given directive to be complied with on the 2nd of May, which had not been complied. Uh, you recall that two weeks ago the Commission asked the uh, government and its assigns to provide evidence of compliance with clear timelines. Uh, at the end of the conversation, they have provided all those things, the timelines and uh, the Commission uh, is expecting that they will go by the timelines time provided in what they have provided to be able to, as it were, uh, fully comply, so that uh, it would have been fully complied. And then uh, the issue of the non-payment of uh, salary also came out. Mm -hmm. The Commission has said that that's taking notice of that, and uh, they are working hand-in-hand hand with the ministry that froze it to ensure that normalcy is restored. But uh, on our part, too, we were also asked to, as it were, call off the action or suspend the action. But as a union, you all know that uh, CETA, we have always adopted the bottom-up approach. We did not declare the strike. We as leaders, we only implemented what was uh, declared by the, uh, by the grassroots through the National Council. So we are going back to Council to engage them with what transpired today. And we are hopeful that in the coming days, maybe by the close of the weekend, we should finish our engagement and we should be able to reach out to the Commission. So we had a very fruitful day today. These are the same very issues before the Commission. Is the reason you have decided not to call off your strike? Is the reason your salaries have been frozen? Why haven't you been able to consult all your structures and then calling off? Because uh, the issues we are dealing with affect all the members and it's important we get the opinion of the members on the issue even though the commission has directed a b c and d hmm. it's important we get to know we consult with the members adequately so that's why we are saying that we will want to empower the grassroots give them the opportunity to have their voices heard so at the end of the day whatever decision we take will be one that reflects their interest their opinions and what have you and all of us will be able to comply Prince Obenhema is the president of the Colleges of Education Teachers Association, CTAG. Away from that, the Ghana Physician Assistance Association has hinted of a possible resumption of their suspended strike action, among other options, to press home their demands. The group on August 2 suspended its strike action, awaiting the outcome of a 28-day ultimatum issued by the National Labor Commission to the Ministry of Health regarding their protest against a proposed legislation that would subject them to supervision by the Medical and Dental Council. Speaking to City News, the National President of the Association, Peter Ayamba, said executives of the Association will meet to decide on their next line of action following the failure of the Ministry of Health to address their concerns. The National Council would have a meeting and would come out with the next line of action. But like I mentioned, all the options are outlined during the media engagement on the day that we met the Labor Commission are all options that we explore. I mentioned the possibility of resuming the strike. Um, the possibility of working to rule and also 
possibility of non-renewal with the Medical and Dental Council if they still proceed with this uh, deal. It is very important to know that even if we decide to work in line with the amendments that they, they sought to make, if we decide to work with that, in fact, that in itself may even be worse than a strike. Because what it means is that the current situation in the country does not put the health system in a good position if we have to work with direct supervision of medical doctors. Peter Ayamba further accused the Ministry of Health of demonstrating bad faith in addressing their concerns. Suppose I have a number of engagement with the Ministry of Health, but like I indicated on the day of the hearing, um, it doesn't seem they have demonstrated any good faith because we have not invited for any engagement as it stands now. What we are aware of is that they have also written to from the Parliamentary Select Committee on Health as to whether or not it is that we are against, whether or not it is with them and it has been late. Um, they have not given us the feedback, but we are we shared also with a copy of that letter. I'm saying this because they have indicated one or two of their submissions that the bill has not been late and they have submitted any bill in that regard. So their letter sought to confirm. We cannot tell exactly what it seeks to, to achieve. But what we expected was that they would have called as an association to George or Peter Ayamba is president of the Ghana Physician Assistance Association. Now, the chief executive officer of defunct Men's Gold Ghana Limited, Nanapia Mensa, is accused of defrauding 16,000 Ghanaians to the tune of 1.6 billion cities. This is contained in the first charges filed against Nanapia Mensa, Men's Gold Ghana Limited, and Brew Marketing all associated to Nanapia Mensa. The new office of the Attorney General files the new charges after filing a nolly prosequi in the previous case, which began in 2019 and was tried at the circuit court. According to the facts of the case, Nanapia Mensa, who was the CEO of Men's Gold, allegedly with intention to defraud with false pretense, induced 16,000 Ghanaians to part ways with over 1.6 billion Ghana cities. He's been charged with 39 counts of defrauding by false pretense, selling gold without license and money laundering. The case is expected to be heard on September 19. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Nashika Siza. Let's settle for the details. The Minister of Tourism, Arts and Culture, Dr. Ibrahim Awal, says the increase in utility tariffs forms part of the government's plan to rake in revenue to stabilize the economy. Dr. Awal's comments come after the Ghana Hotels Association and the Ghana Progressive Hotels Association petitioned the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission 
Commission PURC over the 167% increment in water and electricity tariffs in February this year. The Sector Minister, Dr. Ibrahim Awal, spoke at a stakeholder engagement forum. I know a tariff came up. Before you say it, let me just say it. The tariffs came up not because we want to come back. If you, if, you, if, you, if you remember, for four years, we never increased tariffs. For four years. Since we were at those times, 2017, we never increased tariffs. It's just now we are facing some economic challenges, working to restore macroeconomic stability. Once we do that, it's better than do so. Let's not forget what happened before we came to power. Before 2017, you know. We shouldn't forget. We don't want to go back to Dumso. Dumso is devastating. We'll never go back under President Kufuadu. We'll never go to Dumso. Bear with us. I want to assure you that slowly we we'll stabilize the economy and this adjustment would abate. Dr. Ibrahim Awal is the Minister of Tourism, Arts and Culture. Meanwhile, the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Tourism Authority, Akwesi Ejenim, says a meeting will be held with the hoteliers to address their concerns. We had even requested for a meeting with PURC on this, and we are going to follow through. I'm happy that at least they also added their voice to our concerns, and so it's a, it's a joint, I mean, we sympathize with them. I mean, obviously, if hotels can operate more effectively and efficiently, some of these tariffs have to be looked at. But we are also mindful that we don't want a situation where, I mean, they say an expensive uh, electricity is better than no electricity. So let's see how we work together to resolve it. Akwesi Ajiman is the Chief Executive Officer of the Ghana Tourism Authority. Moving on, the government has averaged a 95% success rate across the latest debt exchange programs. It follows the expiration of these debt swaps, including pension funds, U.S. dollar-denominated bonds and cocoa bills on August 25, 2023. Here is more. The first debt exchange centered on pension funds. It recorded nearly 95% participation from eligible bondholders, as identified by the Central Securities Depository, with 29.6 billion CDs exchanged out of the 31 billion CDs. Also, the exchange of US dollar denominated bonds garnered approximately 92% participation from eligible bondholders. Under that exchange, $741.7 million was turned out out of the expected $809 million. The Ghana Cocoa Ball joined in, achieving a 97% participation rate in its debt exchange program. With that, more than 7 billion CDs have been tendered from the 8 billion CDs that was expected to be restructured. Meanwhile, the settlement date for the exchange has been rescheduled from September 1, 2023 to September 4, 2023. You heard a business desk report on results of the government's second round of domestic debt exchange program. Now moving on, currency analyst Courage Bouti is confident that the city will continue its stability against the dollar in the coming weeks. This, according to him, is due to some key interventions, including an anticipated foreign exchange auction for the bulk oil distributing companies. The local currency has lost about 11.23% to the dollar on the retail market and about 21% on the interbank market. Courage Bouti has been providing further reasons for the stability of the local currency to city business needs. Factors largely are the, I mean, the progressing reforms on the market, 
um, the easing of speculative tendencies on the market, even if um, CD reserves are still not great, the market confidence has kind of improved following the start of the IMF program and the liquidity injections that have come from the IMF. And then the expectation of other flows maybe later in the year from Cocoa Loan Syndication, further crunches from the IMF, the World Bank disbursement they're anticipated, and, and things like that, really. Uh, you know the agitation last year was largely due to the uncertainties in the market and the speculation that it triggered. But now that debt exchange is completed, the repatriation pressures have died down, and, and market sentiments seem to be calmer now, Yes, that has contributed largely to the stability. Courage Boti is a currency analyst. Now, the Ministry of Trade and Industry has encouraged a deepened collaboration between the indigenous within the Adan Enclave and the Electrochem Salt Mine Company to build an industrial dispute that will attract more investment to the area to spare economic growth. The ministry maintains that the opening of the salt mining and processing plant will create more employment avenues for the youth as the government rallies support to strengthen its industrialization agenda. The sector minister, Katie Hammond, made these comments at the official commissioning of the Electrochem salt mine and processing plant in Adar. Electrochem's entry into the salt industry with such a splash would be very transformative of the entire ecosystem beginning with this prime location. This, however, requires policy direction that would include reforms and investment and regulatory reforms. It would also require fractured development support, including a salt terminal to transport the salt in bulk. I would encourage Electrochem to continue relentlessly with its activity, active engagement with the extreme chiefs and people of these communities to ensure sustainable industrial peace and uh, harmony. On their part, I plead with the chiefs and the people, particularly the youth and women, to adopt this project and support it as an important launch part into the modernization of salt mining and processing in Ghana. This will be most beneficial in terms of attracting allied industries which require salt as the basic raw material to invest, locate, and create the much needed jobs in this enclave. That was the Minister of Trade and Industry, K.T. Hammond. Finally, the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of Men's Gold Ghana is calling on the Economic and Organized Crime Office, Iyoko, to expedite steps to furnish the Attorney General AG with information on the whereabouts of the proceeds from the sale of the Nam One assets. This follows a directive by the AG Godfred Yawadami to Iyoko to provide information regarding the sales. The aggrieved customers have for the past four years, one year rather, been advocating for the government to disclose exactly how much was accrued from the auction of the seized assets of Men's Gold CEO with the hope that the funds will be used to pay them their locked-up investment which have been in arrears for the past four years. Fred Forson speaks for the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of men's gold. It's a positive move. We have been asking for this thing for the past one year. We wrote to the AG and now Yoko has been instructed to release the information to us. So we are looking forward from uh, uh, receiving a response from Yoko so that we know what the next line of action will take. But that information is very key 
through the struggle that we are all, we are, uh, the customers are in now. We believe that when we know how much proceeds were earned, how much gold were seized, because all those seizures were done by Yoko, like the letter from Attorney General to Yoko is saying, all those seizures were done by Yoko, the bank, with respect to the bank accounts, the gold bars and all that, and the, the sale of the assets were all done by Yoko, and so we believe that that, that information will help us. And so we want to urge Yoko to work as speedily, because this letter has delayed. This is 2022. The letter was written on the 3rd of August. We expect them to work on it and give us the information to assist customers to know our fate. Fred Forson speaks for the Coalition of Aggrieved Customers of Men's Gold. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. I am Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blanco Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadro. Tonight on Point Blanc, we are going to Gabon. The military there have seized power from Ali Bongo and put him in house arrest. The story on the BBC, which was updated two hours ago, Gabon's president Ali Bongo has appealed for help after the army deposed him in a coup and put him under house arrest. Speaking from what he said was his residence, he urged supporters to quote-unquote raise your voice. Earlier, army officers appeared on TV to say they had taken power. They said they were annulling the results of Saturday's election in which Mr. Bongo was declared the winner, but the opposition said was fraudulent. The officers also said they had arrested one of Mr. Bongo's son for treason. Mr. Bongo's overthrow would end his family's 55-year hold on power in Gabon. He took over from his father, Alpha Omar Bongo. The country is one of Africa's major oil producers. 
while nearly 90% of it is covered by forest. It's a member of the Commonwealth having joined in 2022. And it raises issues around coups on the continent of Africa. There were two in Burkina Faso. I'm referring to coup d'etat in 2022, as well as failed coup attempts in Guinea-Bissau, the Gambia, and Sao Tome and Principe. There was a coup in Niger last year. Musa Faki Mahatmat, who is um, the African Union official expressed concern about the insurgence of uh, con- resurgence of unconstitutional changes of government. So what is the state of affairs? What is the state at play? In 2017, there was a military coup in Zimbabwe. In 2021, Chadian leader Idris Deby's death led to the military intervention. So what is the future for these countries, particularly the Francophone countries that appear to be at the center of all this controversy and coup d'etat. Imano Kutin is a security analyst. He's joining us on the line. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you for having me. Good evening to your cherished listeners. It is worth observing that in the last five coups, they've all targeted presidents in Francophone countries. I don't know if that, that means anything. Should it be regarded on that basis or should it be considered on dictatorships or it should be looked at as democracy not being favorable to the people or it should be looked at as conditions not being favorable for people and they've had to rise because schools were popular in the 60s 70s and 80s but now it's almost like a coup is an alien thing but it is happening how, how do we interpret these well if you look at the francophone countries that unfortunately the waves have gone through, they have a peculiar problem. And their peculiar problem had to do with the colonial part they signed with their colonial masters, especially France. I think in the Francophone countries, because of the youth ballot, the youth are becoming their awakening and aware of things around them because of education, because of advancement in technology and social media. So there's pressure on the leadership in this Francophone country. If you look at the history of the Francophone country, it has always been like a dynasty system where a family will rule for a long period of time. As far as the went by the tenants of their colonial master, which is France. The Gabon, in perspective today, one family has been able to rule the country for over 56 years now. Don't forget to go here, what we had. And in, uh, in Cameroon, which borders Gabon. So the Francophone countries has a peculiar problem. But there's also a mixture here because of globalization and the export of culture, people are increasingly uh, increasingly becoming aware of their rights. And you see that we have 
uh, uh, older people who are rule, ruling the younger generation. It, uh, and it is not by mistake they say Africa is rich in both human and natural resources. The population of Africa is very useful. So if you see these older people ruling, the younger ones are not giving them opportunities and they don't seem to get their way out. It goes in some form of trigger. And when it explodes, these are some of the things that happen. If you look at the Francophone countries that the, uh, there are military takeovers, for instance. Look at the ages of the Johnson. So it's a wake-up call that good governance, nothing but good governance, is the panacea to stopping this military coup. What I want to put it is that the Anglophone countries shouldn't think that because of the peculiarity of the Francophone, they are immune. If you look across the continent, there's bad governance everywhere. There's no equitable distribution of the national case. And youth have come out of school and they don't have jobs. And there are a lot of corruption and nepotism. That is creating all these uh, 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 all these inconsistencies uh, in our democratic experiment. So I dare say that, look, if we don't look inward and we want to continue the terrorist targets we are doing, my brother, many other countries can fall. And just look at uh, Cameroon. Look at the age of the president. And look at how the Anglophone parts of Cameroonians have been treated. But everybody is quiet. And this one, the right group, the defenders of democracy are quiet. But when there's a military takeover right, <laughs> right now, then they'll be crying that we need democracy, we need democracy. What really is democracy? Until we are prepared to put civilian government in check, democracy is meaningless. Democracy is good governance. Well, unfortunately, in Africa, we don't have it. And many of the people, unfortunately, championing, the restoration of constitutional rule in these countries are equally very tainted. So it's a very dicey and flu situation for Africa, especially African countries within the Sahel. Because if care is not taken, we risk becoming the battleground ground of a proxy war between the West and the Russians. And if that happens, my brother, we will find ourselves in a very endless war. So to me, it is a reawakening call. Such that we will make sure that the ingredients that make democracy uh, are in place. Look at this statistic. This, in the last four years alone, Omaru, out of 19 attempted coup d'etat, 10 were successful. And that is so alarming. And we have this uh, uh, successful one, six in West Africa. We have two in North America, that's Sudan and Tunisia. And today, we have one coming from Central Africa, making it two. You know, Chad, what happened after the death of the president, uh, the death of the president, the sun took over.
So these are things the regional body should be concerned with and take pragmatic steps to resolving them. If we don't do that, I'm afraid the wave will continue. Should we be scared? Well, to be scared is an understatement. We should be very alarmed because the days of military coup d'etat, some of us were, it was a thing of the past. After Ghana showed the way in 1992 by democratizing, other African leaders saw the benefits of democracy and took the same path. That was why Ghana was started as a gateway to Africa. But unfortunately, because of bad governance, because of nepotism, because of corruption, because of lack of opportunities for the youth who are in the majority, there is discontentment everywhere. And that is why uh, these younger officers, so conscious of themselves, mostly take this initiative. Have you seen a senior military officer involved in any of the military coup d'etat? No. Because the ruling elite will make sure that the senior military officers are all taken off with the myopic thinking that they have control over their troops. And this is building the kind of system we are building. Oh, no. Why are we crossing the Mediterranean Sea to Europe? How did they do it that we cannot do it? Because they have strong institutions in place. Because the law is not respected of persons. Look at the United States of America. The former president has been arrested half the time. Can we dream about that in Africa? What precipitated the coup in Niger? Basel initially, from credible sources, didn't win the elections. But because the West wanted him there, those elections were manipulated and he was declared the winner. And that brought about the first attempted coup few uh, uh, weeks to his story in. That should have been a warning sign. What precipitated the coup in Gabon today? The president got less than 33% of the vote, but the constitutional court maneuvered and changed the figures to give him 50 something or 60 something percent. As we talk, I have seen media alert that the youngsters are missing to decide the fate of. Uh, 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 the Gabonese president. But my intelligence tells me that he has been thrown out of the country. The head of the Constitutional Court has equally been thrown out of the country. Where are they running to? If they feel what they did was right. So until we begin to speak through to power and then call some of these unconstitutional processes out, when these things happen, we will not have any moral right to say that what the military are doing is wrong. Because tomorrow, if we have a situation of a state capture where a few people are benefiting at the expense of the masses, what options do we have than a military takeover? That is the only way the system can be what? Recalibrated. Unfortunately, I have to be very frank here, and my listeners should just bear me out. Because the rate at which coup d'etat are, 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 are coming up within the Sahel region, everybody should be concerned.
That is why uh, uh, I say five countries are at risk because these countries are going to election a year or two. Togo, Benin, Ghana, Africa, and then Cameroon. Uh, 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 but all the, the 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 conditions we are talking about, these conditions are pervasive in this country. Do these the do these do these conditions justify the coups? We've seen what happened in Niger. The sub-regional bloc had wanted to intervene, but it appears the people's power there is not, you know, inclined towards an intervention from the external bloc. Is it is it a justified thing? Can you justify a coup, really? Well, in, in certain circumstances, when you don't go through the democratic route, when you violate the Constitution, that by itself is a constitutional coup d'etat. Why are we particular about the military, yet we are not particular about the civilians who are perpetuating more harms to the good people of this country? Look, when there are people uprising, my, my brother, what happens? We normally get a lot of casualties. Look at the coup d'etat that have taken place within the Sahel. In Niger, there was not a single blood loss. In Gabon, not a single blood loss. In Burkina Faso, the second one, there was not a single life loss. So we need to do comparative analysis and see the harm. That the civilian, the supposed civilian government does to its citizens, and when the temperature charge up and the military intervenes, we are quick to say that that is not right. We have to be measured. Many would be asking, uh, Ghanaians, yeah, we are enlightened, we are a beacon of democracy for the continent, and all of that. Should we sleep? Should we go to sleep knowing that we are fine? In fact, don't let us deceive ourselves. Don't let us deceive ourselves at all. Look, let me just make this. When ECOWAS said they were going to Niger, some of us said they can't do it. Because because France and United States asked them to do it, they came trumping all charges to go. When United States made a U-turn and favored diplomatic solution and appointed an ambassador to Niger, I made a statement that this uh, threat of going to Niger is as good as mute. Is you know we are, is you know what we are witnessing, and it brings to mind Pan-Africanism. It looks as if many of our leaders have forgotten their Pan-African roots, as if they don't know the history of where we came from, how we were colonized, how our forefathers fought and laid down their blood for the freedom we are enjoying today. They just feel that so far as my family is fine, I can continue to be the puppet of the West. That is it. Look at Gabon, uh, uh, the, uh, 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 the president. He was food in France. He never learned any local language. He was foreign affairs minister at the age of 32 or less. He became defense minister for 10 years. You see? And these are the things that are perpetuated, uh, 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 you can see, across the African continent. Let's take Ghana as an example. How is it that when there is change of government, the ruling elite becomes so powerful and all of a sudden become billionaires? How is that possible? 
how much is the pay of a minister? And we say we are fighting corruption. Yet we can create jobs for the youth. And you think that when the system gets charged up and there's, uh, it is done to a questionable military young guy who takes the gun to overthrow these illegalities, we will not uh, 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 support such a move. Don't let us deceive ourselves. They say event cast its own shadow. The earlier we learn from the examples of these countries we are talking about, the better. Look at the internal elections. Just superdelegates uh, uh, elections. And we were attacking ourselves. Wounded people, someone is even at the verge of losing his eye. What do we really need that power for? What is, is it about? We say democracy resides, power resides with the people. Why are we not trying to respect the wishes of the people? We want to force them, we want to coerce them to vote in a particular way. But yet we are closing a blind eye on some of these things. There are triggers waiting to explode one day. And the earlier we look at the underlying conditions that give rise to some of this and meet them in the mud, the better for our democracy. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Uh, we wish you all the best. And we pray it doesn't get there. Thank you, sir. Azimano Okutin, he's a security analyst. <laughs> So that's on Gabon. Let's talk about Ghana. The National Democratic Congress, the opposition party, has charged journalists in the country to pers persistently hold the government accountable. The call was made after leadership of the party paid a courtesy call on the mother body of journalists in the country, the Ghana Journalists Association. Let's listen to General Secretary of the NDC, Fifi Fiavi Kwiti. We believe we have a, a duty together, a duty to see how we can forge partnerships partnership that would uh, inure to the benefit of our country. Uh, we've been on this journey now for 31 years, uh, from 1992. Uh, we're talking 2023 now, so that's quite a long journey. And throughout this project, I mean, throughout this journey, the aim is always to see how we can bring about um, a nation that is great and strong, as our national anthem says. Um, a great man said, um, Strong men are not as important as strong institutions, and that was what Obama said when he came to Ghana. And we think, uh, as the NDC, uh, it's something that we need to work together in order to ensure that our institutions get stronger and stronger for the sake of our country. Let me also uh, seize the opportunity to uh, applaud you as the leaders of our media. Uh, you are the association of all our uh, journalists uh, for the great work you have done as far as this whole journey is concerned. Uh, for good and for bad, uh, we've all learned in a process and grown together. Uh, initially, of course, you know, I mean, like, like even the whole democratic process, uh, a few mistakes are done here and there, but in the process, we, we perfect and become better. Uh, so we want to applaud that effort. Uh, we also want to uh, commend uh, you uh, for the recent um, uh, award that was granted to one of you, uh, the Komla Dumo Award, which we think was very important for the sake of the country. Uh, because since that award was instituted, which was uh, named after a Ghanaian, uh, no Ghanaian had won. So uh, we thought it was very good. 
uh, that we finally have a Ghanaian winning it. And we hope that uh, that should long continue. There are concerns that need to be addressed. And, and those concerns have to do with uh, sad instances where there seemed to be a desire to uh, return to a culture where institutions increasingly become almost like appendages of a political party, of especially a ruling party, uh, which, which we think we need to uh, uh, work uh, towards uh, ensuring that we do not have that happening anymore. Uh, as a political party, NDC, we want to say that uh, when institutions are strong, the country gets stronger. Uh, it is the truth that parties often want institutions to want to be under their thumb for their own purposes. But we must resist uh, that edge. Uh, for example, the, the economic situation we have in our country today that simply shows that if institutions were playing their role well, we should not be having some of these difficulties. Uh, for instance, I'm sure you've heard the recent issues relating to, for example, the central bank. The central bank is supposed to be a very independent institution. Uh, but the fact that at a certain point, the central bank started literally becoming an appendage of the, of the ruling government is what, for example, leads to a situation where uh, we have the difficulties that we've had where the central bank easily just decided to play ball with the government. In the process, so many difficulties happen. We have a current challenge, for instance, that uh, uh, we have, for example, with the fact that the Electoral Commission, another very important institution that's supposed to just play its role as an independent institution, a constitutional body uh, that has been granted what you call independence to ensure that a good job gets done virtually by its conduct behaves as though it is an appendage of a ruling party in order to simply do what the ruling party wants. So, for example, we're talking about a situation where we need to allow as many Ghanaians to uh, uh, register for an election, which is their constitutional uh, uh, responsibility. But you have an electoral commission that simply decides for its own purpose that we are going to restrict this whole thing to a district level in a nation that is made up of many rural communities, in a nation where the, sometimes you have to travel for hours, for hours, simply to reach a district capital, in a situation where you have an economic crisis, where transport fares have gone up, cost of living has gone up, people are struggling, but that institution decides that it's going to dig in and regardless of whatever anybody does, that is how I want it done because that seems to suit what the government of the day wants, which is nothing short of suppression of the vote of the people. You know, these are conversations that we believe you as a media will be able to uh, uh, push. That's Fifi Kwiti, he's General Secretary of the NDC, was speaking uh, when his uh, executives paid a visit to the Ghana Journalist Association offices and engage with the president and other officials of the GJA. Well, that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou, production by Beverly London and Kobna Wilson. Technical support from Desmond Nyako. New media support from Edwin Kwakofi. Up next, we have Face to Face, a playback on radio. And uh, my guest on Face to Face... The man who is going to be campaigning to 33 people to help him remain in the top five slots.
Francis Adainimo. He spoke to me on Face to Face on City TV last night. You would want to stay tuned in and listen to his views on the primaries so far. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline.